0: Hello and welcome to Spotlight On, the podcast that brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs and experts covering a range of topics. I'm Nicholas Barton, founder and CEO of the Barton Partnership. We're an award-winning executive recruitment and consulting solutions firm providing permanent search and independent consulting services across strategy, sustainability and M&A, data and analytics
1: and transformation and change. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of our Women Leadership podcast series. I'm Imogen Sear, Senior Consultant and Consumer Practice Lead at the Barton Partnership. Joining me today is Alice Woodwork. Alice began her career in consulting at McKinsey before moving to Compass Group as Strategic Development Director and now leads Mighty Communities as Managing Director. Well, Alice, welcome to our Women in Leadership Spotlight series. Um, Delighted to have you uh, today. So thank you very much for joining. Um, Now, Alice, I guess a great place to start. Would you mind sort of sharing an overview of your career story um, and how you got to where you are today?
0: Yeah, sure. And it's lovely to be here, and Thank you. Um, so I guess I, I've got a career in two halves, I suppose. Um, I started out as a strategy consultant and I spent um, the best part of 15 years mostly with McKinsey. And then I transferred to PLC land, so more... Um, I guess the work of actually doing stuff and being out there in industry. So, I joined McKinsey as a graduate. Um, Very happy there. Took a bit of a break to um, try out some marketing work and go to business school, and then came back again to McKinsey. Um, Did another decade with them during which time I changed country for a couple of years, and also had three children. So, can talk a bit about what's that what that's like having having McKinsey babies. So, had. Three of those. And then um, I got to a point where I knew that what I really wanted to do was own my own PL and be a part of, I guess be a part of the engine of the economy uh, in a way that I felt was maybe more my client's bag than than for us as consultants. So uh, seven, seven or eight years ago, I moved across to Compass Group. Which is a FTSE Hundred company, uh, largely does catering and hospitality, and uh, was very, very happily there created. I suppose a, a sort of second chapter for myself as a and L leader. So I, I did transition through the strategy, uh, strategy role at Compass, and I can talk a bit about what that looked like because I think moving out of consulting can be. Sometimes a bit tough and a bit daunting, um, but I, I managed to do that with Compass. They were hugely supportive, and then I had two managing director roles with Compass in, uh, I suppose, ever increasing P&Ls. And then uh, early this year, I came across to Mighty. Which is a FTSE 250 uh, facilities management company. And, and here I, um, I'm the managing director for our communities business. So I support uh, facilities managers across the UK working for local governments, hospitals, education. Um, and um, I sit on the, the leadership team for for Mighty. And I love my job here. I love being a PL owner. So, yeah, very happy to talk about um, what it means to come uh, to, I suppose, to spend a fair amount of time in consulting. but also to come out and to use some of those skills in a plc role
1: fantastic i mean such a diverse career and i mean there's, there's lots of points that i want to dig into it in a little bit a little bit more detail Let, let's just touch on this move in and out of consulting um and like you say, there are some challenges around that and different shifts that you will have had to make um, yeah. as well. So I guess firstly, how did you decide it was the right decision? And then secondly, I guess, what, what advice would you give to others who are starting to think about that move as well? Uh, Yeah, so
0: for me, the decision to join consulting was really because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'd always done pretty well at school and university. Um, I didn't have a particular pull towards a profession. So I didn't know in my soul that I was going to be a lawyer or whatever. But I knew I wanted to use my brain um, and have one of those jobs where you get up and every day is a bit challenging and and, and quite exciting and different. And consulting gives all of those things. Um, I think it's a brilliant place for anyone, really, to start out in their career when they want a, I suppose, a career that at least is, Reasonable amount is in the mind. So there's so much opportunity for for problem solving, not just the the technical problem solving of of the case that you've got in front of you, but also the human dynamics that go with the role. You've always got a new set of clients, you've got different partners and colleagues that you work with. Um, You work with a peer group that's exceptionally talented, and getting along well there and getting the best from each other is a really fun part of the job. So I think for anybody who thinks, i want to have a good career i want to make a contribution i'm not necessarily sure i know now where i, where I want to be when i'm 40 it, consulting is a, is an excellent place um to start i'd also so I th- say i think I think perhaps, I don't know if it's controversial or not, I think it's a really good place for women. I do. My experience being, uh, so I joined McKinsey in the very late 90s and my experience being there was it was an exceptionally positive environment from a gender perspective. I never really thought very much about my gender at work and I think that's a good thing. It's a testament to how well they did with that. Um, And the reason I say it's good for women is it's a supportive environment. It's not one in which and I'd say this with consulting as a whole, it's not one in which um, testosterone-based egos are to the, to the fore. What you have inside your head and how you can bring that to the workplace is what is valued. Um, and weirdly, well, we should talk a bit about you know work-life balance and all that stuff, but weirdly, and I'm sure this is more the case now, your clients don't need to see you the entire time. As you go up through the organization, they don't even know where you are the whole time because as you start balancing more than one client then you're not on site the whole time um, with them and you can balance things out. And I did find that it was actually pretty straightforward, mostly, not always, but mostly, to take time out between four and six because I had a parents' evening or whatnot. And I'd log on later and get the stuff done. And you know what? As long as the work happened, that was absolutely fine. Um, so I would say there were elements of consulting that are also good as a career for a woman, um, uh, which I definitely benefited from myself.
1: And did you, And I guess touching on your McKinsey babies, your McKinsey children, and I guess that relates to the support that you must have had throughout that time. I mean, how did they approach that and, and support you on that journey to becoming a mother?
0: They were great. They were absolutely great. Um, I, well, I think, you know, one of the things I would definitely share with my younger self is, Having babies is fine. Don't be as worried about it as maybe you think you should be. You know, they do in a weird way. They fit around you more than you think that they're going to. It's not the career altering event necessarily that it sometimes is bigged up to be. Um, I had my first baby by mistake. Um, She was a complete accident. Uh, It was it was absolutely it worked out brilliantly but she wasn't planned and I was terrified I still remember now going to see Helen our absolutely brilliant um uh, HR um lead and I was psyched myself up to, to share this and I was still an associate at the time and I thought this is ridiculous associates don't have babies this is awful what's she gonna say she was absolutely fabulous about it as indeed was everyone at, at McKinsey there was just an acceptance so you know life continues and and I would also say Make sure if you're going to have children and keep working, make sure you are at least within an organization where you see around you examples of your company supporting women to have both a family and a career. And I did see that. And I did work with people, fantastic people. People like, um, uh, Suzanne Haywood was a partner I worked with in particular who had her family probably started oh, five or six years before I did. And I saw the way that she was supported to do that. And she went on to do incredibly well. So make sure you have that around you. But once you do, don't be as scared by it as you think you might. If I hadn't accidentally got myself pregnant, I probably would have left it another five years. And I do think... having children at a point where you have, quite frankly, enough energy to fit that in with a career is probably not a bad thing. So, yeah, for me, very positive experience. And I would say don't be as scared of it as you think perhaps you need to be. These things have a a habit of working themselves out for themselves. Definitely prioritise the stuff that is important in your life, part of which is going to be potentially your career, but part of which is also that family. And it is possible, I think, to find a balance of the two.
1: Fantastic. It gave me some warmth to my heart there, that that (laughs) little story, (laughs) Alice. Thank you for sharing. So I guess so so obviously three, three McKinsey babies throughout that time and how how did you decide it was the right time to move on? Because we, you and I, have sort of discussed before around the, you know navigating this kind of white collar environment, then moving into PLC and, yeah. um, you know the, the different layers of progression perhaps within strategy consulting. Um, yeah. so so when did you think it was the right time, and how did you come about that decision? I think, I mean,
0: I, I think in retrospect, if I'm honest, I think I probably made the decision a little late. Um, it, I, I was in a very comfortable place with myself. I, you know, I knew how to navigate the organization I was in. I would say, I think um, uh, I had known for a while that I really envied the role that some of my clients had in terms of owning their own P&L. And again, if I talk to my younger self, I'd probably encourage myself to maybe... Yes. Uh, push myself a little harder, right? I think you should decide to stay in your organization as much as you ever decide to leave it. Um, and I, this is one thing I really would, and I'd, I encourage people that I line manage to think about it this way. You know, you when you sit down for you know, your annual review or your annual discussion with yourself about career and whatnot. Think about where you stay as much as you might think about where you go. If I'd done a little bit more of that, maybe I would have moved a bit sooner, actually, because I knew in my heart that I knew, I envied my clients' jobs. Um, my transition out of, you know, the white collar worlds of consulting, I think, um, I would say, I think another, another benefit is doing it before you hit partner. I think um, there's this There's this thing about moving out of consulting. I sort of call it the Eliza Doolittle complex. I mean, Eliza Doolittle was the the character in My Fair Lady who's a flower girl and gets taught to speak properly. And then suddenly she can't be a flower girl anymore um, because she speaks all posh. And there is a bit of that with consulting in that very quickly, compared to your peer group out in industry, very quickly you are paid more than your colleagues in industry. And you also, quite frankly, are it's a great advantage once you made the move but you are trained to be able to present to a board think very long-term and strategically about things, but you've never actually handled a p probably. You've probably never owned your own budget. And so people look at you from the outside world and think, okay, well, there's this clearly incredibly competent person, but how do I trust them with a multi-million pound bottom line when you know the biggest thing they might have run is, is potentially the Afterworks Drinks Fund? And so you have to get over that. Um, so I, I think there is an element where people I, I love working out in an industry and I would encourage anyone to look at it. I think it is so rewarding and I also think it needs more brains coming across to help you know British industry do well. But if you're looking at it, do be realistic about what it takes. In terms of making the transition, um, I stepped through a strategy team in order to get, I knew what I wanted to do was have my own P&L. It took me a year and a half after leaving to get there um, because I took, a, if you like, a trade-off where Compass really brilliantly said, yeah, okay, we see what you offer, but actually... We'd like to test you out in a place that doesn't have so much risk for us first. So come and join strategy. If that works out well, we'll find you a line position. And they absolutely did. And they were amazing about it. But that was one of my trade-offs, was not necessarily to expect that you move straight into a big p and leadership position. There are other ways to get there. And also to be, on it, to be realistic with yourself about things like remuneration. Um, it is a different ladder. And there are different elements of benefits if you're in a PLC structure as opposed to in a profession. And you need to plan for that. Um, so make sure that, quite frankly, you can maybe go for a couple of years without seeing the kind of cumulative pay increases that you would see if you were in the middle of a, if you were continuing with your career on the white collar side, um, where things do keep progressing, quite frankly, quite nicely. Uh, And in a PLC, you fight harder for that and it takes a bit longer. So I'd say be realistic, but also, you know, if I was talking to myself, I'd say follow your gut more. I probably should have recognized what I wanted to do a little earlier. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well I'm a true believer in go with your gut so uh I that resonates with with me very well Alice. So if we take you know all the moves that you've made throughout your career as a whole um but what what is perhaps the biggest lesson that you've learned from from those moves in your career
0: um I I suppose I I think there's a there's a couple of things on career lessons that I'd I I want to share. I, I think A big one, and I I actually do think it applies particularly to, to women managing their careers, is be clear about having in your head what your proposition is. What do you offer in your company or in your peer group that is distinctive to some degree why are you there because it could be someone else so why is it you and what do you bring um i think this is something that you know needs to be very personal i'm not saying everyone needs to kind of set themselves up as as the great leader but have something that's a bit different about you and stick with it and have it be something that's actually honestly yours so And this, by the way, was advice I was given by um, a a very great man who who, uh, ran McKinsey back in the day on my first ever working day as a 21-year-old. He made this point, and it stuck with me through the years. For me, my proposition is I'm a really practical person, and I come at things having a good strategy framework. So it allows me to be in the room as someone who um, actually, I give myself license to ask the stupid questions, Because I know enough from my background that it's probably not a really stupid question. If I don't get it, then probably a load of other people don't either. And I was trying to work walk out of any room I'm in With practical actions, either for me or somebody else. What are we actually going to do as a result of this conversation that we've had and be really pragmatic about that? Um, And that's very honest to me. I am a really pragmatic person. I I like seeing actual progress. I'm, you know, I'm sometimes not so good with the, you know, with the fluffy elements. And I I, I like to see that we're making progress. I'm also a really upbeat person and I like being that person at work. Um, For other people that you know, that proposition of yours is going to be different, but as a woman, sometimes you do stand out a bit in your peer group, and you can do that in a good way, you can do that in the right way. Um, and almost don't shy away from that, celebrate it as something that you bring. So, I think that would be
1: that's something that's really
0: stuck with me through the years.
1: Fantastic, and I think that's something that not only we as women, but people, you know, across the country can take in any form of industry, you know, sector that they sit in, you know, make yourself stand out. You know, like you say, why are you there? And I guess it, I feel like that might follow into my next area of discussion in around sort of diversity and inclusion and, and what that means mm. for you, Alice. Because, you know, in your role as MD, RA group, you were the Compass UK champion for DNI. and mm. um, So, Talk me through that part that you played, and and what diversity inclusion means for you as an individual, and and, and the business, I guess.
0: I loved that role. I absolutely loved um, championing that that agenda um, because it it taught me so much that I hadn't thought about or heard before, and I think I came to that role. Um, more through the ethnic diversity lens than I did the gender diversity lens. So as a woman, I'd obviously kind of, you know, at various times been involved in conversations about, you know, ladies at work and all this kind of stuff. I always felt a bit like, to be absolutely honest, that wasn't my problem. That was the bloke's problem, really. And so when I got asked to take that role, it was as a result of a, a series of conversations that had happened around ethnic diversity. I'm white and I have always had the inbuilt privilege that comes from coming from that background in this country. And I had not had to question what that meant for me or actually for my children. And other people have. And listening, really listening to what that means to people who don't have the, yeah, it is. It's an inbuilt privilege. Don't have that inbuilt privilege and have to think their way around things differently as a result is I think good for me, probably makes me a better person at work, but also um, um, was, I think, allowed me to make a contribution in a way that sitting on the side of a fence of talking about gender politics at work from the perspective of a woman... I don't feel quite like that's my problem in the same way. You know, I'm here as a lady. It's the men that need to get around that one, not me. In terms of what, what we achieved um, in the year or so that I was leading diversity and inclusion at Compass, I, I think there were three things that I will always take with me um, thinking about a d agenda. The most important, the first, is to listen, to really listen to stories. So whether that is through reverse mentoring or or um, whether that is through open forums where there is just the opportunity to discuss, whether that is through just, you know, quiet conversations and a coffee break. The listening is incredibly important because the stories that people will tell around how they feel and what their experiences have been, if it's not in the first person, then it is through the diluted lens of an agenda and it's not the same thing. And each person's experience in their own organisation is going to be different. You need to listen, really listen, not to groups but to individuals. Um, and I that was a real learning experience for me. So start with the listening because then the plan comes from that. The two other bits though that I think will always be there is uh, second one is set targets. So set a quantitative target. Compass did it. Mighty has done it. Set yourself a target. Um, if you don't, you're, you're sort of whistling in the wind. Third one is prioritize creating role models at a senior level um, that represent the community that you come from. Uh, You can be as warm and inclusive as you like, but if you have no women on your board or if you have no folks in your leadership team, other than those that come from a white background, then those that sit within the organization and look up to those groups don't see themselves. And when when we did listening conversations, that was a bit that came up time and time again i don 't see me i don 't see anyone that looks like me. You tell me that this is, this is possible, but if it 's really so possible, where are they? So I think there is a need for us to actually prioritize creating those role model positions and to do it quickly because until it exists, your strategy won 't be believed so yeah th- those are my three three things from a dNI perspective
1: fantastic well, thank you for sharing those alice and Touching on, obviously, COVID. I mean, we can't have this conversation at the moment mm-hmm. without the return to work and life normal and what that's mm-hmm. going to look like. But I guess from a perspective of helping women helping others you know how, how do we create the best culture moving forward that helps support those from other sort of diverse um backgrounds um so i'd love to get your perspective on this you know how do we return to work um one to, to help ensure that women can continue to progress um, but also from other uh, from other points of view from a sort of diversity and inclusion um, uh, perspective
0: yeah, so I I, mean, I I suppose a couple of thoughts. One one is more sort of big picture and one is kind of little picture. I think the big picture one is I do I don't get on my soapbox very much, but one thing I do feel really strongly about is um is As a society, we need to look at childcare better. Um, There is, if you're a working woman, there is no way around it. Someone needs to look after your children. And even if they're at school, they're only at school between like nine and three. And that is not from a lot of personal experience. That does not cover things. Um, So, you know, from an individual perspective, be serious and realistic about the childcare needs that you have. And from a, I guess, an organizational perspective and from a social perspective, I do think this needs to be a priority for us. If we think that we want to create equal opportunities for women, the reality is that, and I include myself in this as well. responsibility for thinking through how childcare is going to work tends to sit more with, you know, the women in a, uh, you know, a dual gender partnership than it does with the men. And so we need to think through how we provide childcare and what we can do to support that at whatever level. Um, I think in terms of me as a supporter of my team and so for other people thinking about those around them either within your team or your peer group this is a really important time for personal check-ins so a lot of us are coming back and going oh you know crap we've got to get the personal development reviews and stuff stuff done maybe it's been you know a little different over the last year we know and and i know from some of the things i see through you know the, the client lens um there are a lot of women under a lot of pressure now coming out of lockdown. There have been some domestic situations that have been far from ideal. We're seeing that now come through. Work is a place where we can check in with those around us, really ask the question, how are people doing? Do, do a proper check-in and find the pressure points if they are there. So there are all sorts of people coming back to work now who have difficult situations sitting behind them, and a lot of them will be women. So on, a, I suppose if you like on the personal level, just encourage everyone to reach out and do the conversation. Do you know that everyone in your team is doing okay in terms of where they are from a home perspective? Because um, I think you know we all have an obligation there.
1: Fantastic, and it's um, it's it's very true. And actually, we ourselves as as a business are now trying to monitor the sort of the return to work and actually how that plays an impact on people's lives frankly from a day-to-day basis because we've got so used to being in one scenario now yeah. trying to move back to the other and like you say trying to pinpoint where those pressures are um and obviously you Alice talking from a past perspective it, it really hit home around the, the childcare care scenario and figuring <laughs> those out because I know that you obviously with the your three three children and family circumstances I'm sure that's been a challenging one to manage are there any particular is there particular advice that you'd give um for those handling or if you've had to have you know difficult conversations with employers I think to be honest
0: I've had more difficult conversations with my own children than I have with any of my employers I mean you know this is a balance isn't it um I, I the first thing I would say is um I, someone once said, I think it was somewhere at business school. Someone once said, don't think of this thing as sacrifices. Think of it as trade-offs. And I really like that. And it's stuck with me. I have never used the word sacrifice in terms of either my career or my family life. Um, We all just get to do this life thing once. And that includes your children as well as you. And it includes your parents as well as you. So everybody has this balance between what do you contribute to your world as an individual? And then what do you contribute to your family life? And so that they can thrive. And it is a balance and it is a trade-off sometimes. But thinking about it as sacrifices, I don't think is particularly healthy. If you feel you're making sacrifices, you're probably, the balance isn't the one that is right for you. Um, so that has been a kind of a good guide star. I have also never talked to my girls. They're all girls, actually. I've never talked to my girls about, about it being a sacrifice, not being for their sometimes. And I have always explained it in terms of everyone needing to lead a life where they're making a contribution to the world around them, and this is part of mine. And I expect in time they'll also make their contribution, whether that is you know as a mum or a uh, or a volunteer or, or in their career. I don't mind, but I'm sure they'll make their own choices about where that contribution lies, and I'd expect that they make that contribution fully. So. I think actually the tough conversations are with girls, but I mean, the oldest is 15 now. So, and over the years, there have been times where they ask, um, why do you not pick us up from school? The other mums pick... Pick their children up from school. Where are you? Um, and I think stepping into those conversations, I, I, I mean, I can't. Look, I mean, I don't know. I'm not done with this, and um, and my children have still got to do their growing up. So I don't, know, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. But I do know that it helps that I have always been honest with my girls about why I work, and that I believe it's an important just contribution to life. I think that does help. Um, on the very practical side of things. I think being realistic about childcare needs is is incredibly important. So in the past, you know, my husband and I we've made compromises in terms of um, where we've lived so that we can be close to family, um, and that that's been the right thing to do for us. Um, we have put in place wrap around childcare where we need it. Um, backups, backups is important. Yeah, Yes, you've got the nursery, but what happens when the nursery sends him home again? What do you do? Who are you going to call? Even if that backup, might, to be honest, might be quite expensive, um, it's a hell of a lot better having, you know, the agency's number on your mobile phone and being comfortable calling them rather than having that awful moment where you think i just i can't do it i can't i can't get into work but of course that happens too and i would say i honestly do mean it the tougher conversations have been with my kids uh, of the employers that i've had and the bosses they've been great um and i'd say for anyone follow follow people into work rather than jobs follow people that you can work for and respect and i've been lucky i think with mine um And they've all been brilliant. I think people are actually better than you think they're going to be. And a remarkable number of the people that we work with are also parents and totally get it, even if they've never talked about it. So, again, I thought, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, I would say this stuff tends to be more understood and more supported. In when it actually happens, then you maybe think it's going to be. Um, most people have been through this themselves for one reason or another.
1: Definitely, I think it's it's a lovely sort of theme that's ran through this this conversation is around people, people in the business, people you surround yourself with, and that and those leaders who are at the forefront there. And I think you know having those role models to aspire to, people to learn from, it is very important. Absolutely. Um, so I guess it f- finally, Alice. Um, you know whether it's thinking about your your own daughters or you know the the, the next generation of of women. You know whether it's starting out in, in in consulting. What what can we do to it to inspire inspire them? I, I, I was thinking about this. I, I think
0: one of the things is just to reflect on where um, the women who have come through that industry of the last few years have got to. There are. A lot of um, the consulting organisations, um, they you know, their, their profile is perhaps more about the organisation itself than about the people who go through it. But I was thinking about this this morning, the, the people who I have worked with, even in my own network, um, who've gone on to great things afterwards, it, it's remarkable. If I, you know, I, I mentioned Suzanne Haywood earlier. She, she now leads what is effectively one of the world's most famous car companies. Um, uh, Nina Bartia, who's uh, running strategy for John Lewis, that's an amazing job right now. Um, Helen Waitley is a government minister. Uh, Sarah Mumby is a permanent secretary. There are it, it, consulting, I think, as a launchpad for a career, whether you stay there. So, you know, the last head of McKinsey in London, Dame Vivian Hunt, who now has a knighthood and quite deservedly so. Incidentally, she's does an amazing podcast on num her own career journey and how it links to her spirituality, which I would encourage anyone to find. So Vivian Hunt does a great podcast. Um, But all these women have done such an amazing job, either staying with consulting, and I do think it's a place where you can have a fulsome career as as a woman or as a launch pad for something else, and some really exciting other things, social contributions and and corporate contributions. And I do think that there is a, a place for just... Um, recognizing um what is possible and that consulting is a great discipline. I think it is a supportive environment for women, and, and we need to find better ways of talking about this because we often concentrate on long hours and bloody dar, but there's also flexibility and a really supportive network um, and a lot of wraparound care actually for you as an individual that doesn't exist necessarily everywhere else. And look
1: what a what look what an amazing springboard it is. Definitely. Wonderful. Well, look, Alice, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think there's a, a great way to end things today. And I think for all those women out there or, or others looking to start out the career, um, have a look, I think is, is the main aim. Look at those individuals, look at how people have got there and, you know, immerse yourself with people that you can see as inspiring and, and leaders and who you can look up to and potentially follow in all sorts of different directions so thank you again alice for for taking part and and being being part of our sort of women in women in leadership spotlight series well thank you imogen and thank you to barton many thanks alice